fact that it slowed my my life down was a good thing, I think. But then I was in this accident, so any benefits I was getting from having a peaceful life for the for like an intermission of a peaceful life in a kind of com- uh, complicated day to day kind of routine. I should say, when you're on the road a lot, you don't. It, there's a lot of chaos. It was nice to have some some just a, center, a centering time for the first time in many years. Then I was in this accident and everything was fucked. I was dealing with quite a few health struggles myself at the beginning of this. The timing is a mixed blessing in that you know obviously it really sucks when things compound, but probably best in a sense that it happens at a time when you don't have yeah. any particular obligations. Hundred percent agree. This was a complex year for everybody. I, I guess I can't really think of anybody I know that's just dealt with the pandemic and its ramifications. Seems like a lot of strife has occurred this year for a lot of for most people I know. Oh, it sounds like you had a lot to contend with too. I guess a, a maybe a benefit of when it happened, when my accident happened, is that it kept me from kind of spiraling out in the malaise of, of what this year came to be. Instead of kind of like twiddling my thumbs and waiting and being frustrated that things weren't happening or life as I'd know it, known it before wasn't back yet. I had a kind of a urgent mission personally. And that, that took all the heat off of uh, any stress that would have come from, from just being uh, suddenly seem, you know, just being stuck in your house for a year wasn't such a big deal. I suspect that you're like me to some degree in that I tend to throw myself into my work as a way of perhaps escaping other things that I should be dealing with. In another time, in another situation, had you gone through this accident and you had a tour lined up or, you know, there was clearly an album on the horizon, there's a good chance that you probably wouldn't have afforded yourself the opportunity to really uh, sufficiently rehab. Yeah, I probably would have had some I would have had more lingering after effects from this accident. You know, I'll have limitations for the rest of my life, but I don't think they're that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, they're noticeable to me and, but maybe not to the rest of the world. And I got to this point because I, I didn't have any other job to do. I just focused, there was no pull to do any other job either because of the obvious. Yeah. If I had had, to be on the road at any point during this. And I would have, I would have, uh, I'd have no choice, but to put this on the back burner and uh, I probably would have had limitations, further limitations than, than I could live with. I mean, you touched on a number of things that I've, I've been thinking about quite a bit myself saying something like for the rest of my life. I mean, that's, that's something that I'm contending with that I've never had to contend with before. You know, I've had help issues along the lines, but nothing that really where I could sort of draw a line in the sand and and know that like to some degree that this is just something I'm gonna have to deal with. And that's that's kind of terrifying. Even even if you're able to deal yeah. with it, it's a scary thing. Yeah, it's it's not easy, um, as you know, to to find peace with to be at peace with that. I'm having trouble being at peace with it. Even though I know that I'm further along than some of my expectations were I've made a good recovery, but it's, I, I can't make a full recovery and I just have to accept it. We're doing this face to face and for the, the first, I mean, it's improved, but for, for me, for the first, you know, five or six months, uh, when I finally felt like I was able to speak 
without, you know, basically slurring my speech, I would still keep the camera off. And one day, uh, you know, I spoke to a few friends and they convinced me to, to turn it on. And most of the people who know me tell, tell me that they can't, they, they don't notice it. But obviously it, when you're dealing with it, it's something that you're hypersensitive of. And, and I assume that goes double for you because you're somebody who is in front of the camera and, and stands up on stage. And if there's any kind of, I don't know that there is, but if there's any kind of physical manifestation of it, it's hard to get that out of your brain. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's telling and it's instructive i guess to hear your story because i can't tell that you have dealt with bell's palsy bell palsy because we haven't spoken face to face before which i would hope you'd find encouraging i guess um however i understand what it is like to be in your shoes to some degree because while people probably can't tell that i have a limited range of motion i can tell it's, it's going to be something to contend with me- mentally at some point. Now, the kinds of injuries I've sustained still take a year to two years to heal from. So some of the, some of the limitations I'm acutely aware of because there's pain involved as well. And there's lack of strength involved as well. I'm hoping that, you know, in, in time that those things will dissipate those, those, um, roadblocks will become a thing of the past and I can just start to function with the body that I do have now already already I've uh, I I guess I I realize how much I lost and have gained back that that I feel pretty optimistic about not necessarily where I'll get to in terms of physical healing but my, my what I project will be my willingness to accept you know, that, that, you know, my body isn't exactly as it was before. I'm not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that I'll remember how it was before after some time. To some degree, what we're talking around are vanities as, as far as, you know, things that we're hyper conscious of things that we're worried that other people are going to notice in us. And again, you know, I think particularly understandable in your case where you are a performer and, and, you know, and people know you and there are certain physical requirements, but I think there's also a pragmatic concern, you know, perhaps one that you've thought about, but won't really be able to kind of grapple with the realities of until things open back up again, which is just touring at any level is just, is incredibly hard on the body. Yeah. Well, I think about some of the factors of touring when it, as it pertains to what I'll be able, what I might face in, in terms of pain and limitation. And I think I'm going to be okay when, I'll, when touring comes back. I wonder about like sleeping in a moving vehicle and bouncing down the road. And I, I worry, wonder about things like that. I wonder about the wear and tear of many shows in a row. As long as I think if I just stay the course and just keep lifting weights and keep doing physical rehab and keep stretching, I think that I think that this was a pretty good repair job they did. Do you get the sense that PT is just going to be part of your reality from now on? Well, let's see. What are we in February? So I guess I'm set seven months from the accident. I can tell a difference even from a month ago, thanks to physical therapy. Now, I know there's a point in the near future where I'll, I guess, graduate from physical therapy, but 
I'll have daily exercises probably for the rest of my life that I have to do to, to, to have, uh, to maintain, to, to maintain the results that I've, that I've met with, uh, with physical therapy. And I've, you know, I, I like to exercise. I always have exercise. So it's kind of been incorporated, incorporated into just like my physical, my, my pension for physical fitness. I like to do, I like to run. I like to lift weights. I like to swim. I like to cycle. So I've just kind of worked it in to my, I'm not waving it away. It's been hard. It's been heavy, but I think in the long run, what I'm hoping is that it'll just be like going to the gym to maintain my, my fitness and my, my more, more, my, my, um, independence and ease of life than my physical presentation. There's sort of the PT exercises, but then there's those exercises that you were doing previously. I assume that that is limited those pretty substantially. It's limited them. I gain a new set of skills every month or so. You know, for example, uh, I can use the rower now that I that I, I, I love to use a rower. Uh, I've been cleared to run. Um, I've been I haven't been cleared for cycling yet. And they're kind of hesitant to clear me for that because it's a crash hazard, and that's something I'll have to like. I'll have to weigh out the benefits and the risk at some point and say, is this worth? the risk. And I really like to, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, I like to live. So I don't really want to put a whole lot of limitations because there's a, a lot of what ifs, but I'll see how that, when I'm strong enough to handle it, I'll see if, if that's something I can handle. And then, you know, like lifting weights, I'm able to do overhead press now with, you know, I'm up to, you know, 40, 40 pounds, which is not a lot. But I was just, I was, I started with no weights and that was difficult. So progress, it's about making progress. You know, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, do you get the sense that having dealt with this, that you're taking fewer things for granted? You know, I suppose I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you specifically that when it comes to music, I'm really, when it comes to being able to play music, play, play guitar specifically. I've had to work so hard to get that back that uh, that I'm deriving a different kind of joy out of it. it fe- I've always enjoyed just playing, you know, just sitting with a guitar and playing a melody. But there's an extra level of joy that I'm pulling out of it now, that it's giving to me now. It's certain satisfaction. I thought I'd lost it and I've earned it back. You thought you weren't going to be able to play music again? Well, among the um, other injuries, like the breaks and stuff I had, you know, it was bilateral, it was both shoulders. I also severed the muscles in my biceps. I severed my biceps and my deltoids. So they were, they had to be re-sewn and re-dra- redraped and re-sewn. So they don't go quite in the same direction they used to. And, and they were extremely weak. I've, uh, I mean, excessively weak. So, I mean, even to the point where I could not, bend my own arm, let alone a weight or something like that, or a pencil even. And when, that, when I got strength back, fine motor skills seemed like they weren't coming back very easily. I don't know if they would have. I front burnered it in terms of my effort. So if they may have just come back, it may, have, I, I can't tell you that it would or wouldn't have because I, because I went the route of, of digging in pretty hard. Um, but in that period where, 
I really didn't have the ability to control my arms. And then when I pick up the guitar, I, I would try to will the chord voicing or the fingering or, or what have you. And it just wouldn't happen. That was um, a bummer. I think it's putting it lately. Yeah. I spoke to Steve Lukather on Wednesday, the guitar player of Toto. He's mm-hmm. um, well into his 60s, 70s, you know, and, and he and he described the process of finding new methods to learn how to play just because, you know, it happens to us all, right? It happens over time. And certainly there are stories of, you know, I think Django Reinhardt is probably a good example. Do you know, do you know about that, about how he developed his style? He, he got into an accident and the fingers yeah. were sort of in it. And Les Paul had a similar thing where he broke his arm and he had it set in such a way that he could strum. Yeah, specifically had it set to play. But I think Django Reinhardt, because he had to reteach himself how to play guitar, essentially came up with a, a different yeah. method. Earl Scruggs, I think might be the same. There's a bluegrass player. That's a, a similar story, but um, do you feel that you are relearning to play and, and having to kind of not start from scratch, but just develop a well, different method? Yeah. So there's things I didn't like about my playing or more, moreover th- ways of playing. I wish I could obtain you know a skill set or a skill level that i was reaching for and i i started taking lessons when i had i i didn't take lessons before the i took a lesson here or there but I, i've never taken guitar lessons in a focused way and part of the recovery was that i had to start taking guitar lessons and, and be taught how to play guitar again as i reach you know the level of player that i was before i realized how much further i could take this and how much i'm learning both cerebrally and, 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 and physically. And the possibilities sort of seem endless now to me in terms of how to improve, like my, even just simple things like my tone, you know, playing a acoustic guitar live is a, is a strange that people don't really think about this too often. It's a beautiful sound on a record because you're, you've got a, usually a, a good microphone with, one goal just to pick up all that wood and and resonance a microphone in a live setting also will pick up the audience and your vocal and you can't move around so you know you use it to di and that's like the worst sound for acoustic guitar so i'm you know like that's a simple thing too like recognizing how like if that's the impediment of the tone how can i just like work with that and find a way and so i've like spent more time than ever like using finger picking with that when finding ways to do that without sacrificing sort of the urgency urgency you get from a strumming pattern. So that's like a, a take that I never sat back and assessed. That's a take I have for the, that I've obtained for obtained for the first time since I've sat back and assessed it and wreck it and realized, Oh, there are, there's room. There's plenty of room to find a new ex- way to express myself with this instrument. And even something as elemental as like tone, like finding a way to like, well, the pick on the, combining a pick with a DI is about the worst sound you can think of. So lose the pick, can't lose the DI. So what can I do? I'll, I'll start. So, and then the study, you know, with the, with these teachers, I'm taking from four, four teachers right now. And it's an immense amount of information, but it's so fun, so much fun. 
I get to interact with them in a time where there's not a lo- lot of human interaction. And four days a week, I have somebody to chat with and talk about this instrument that we both love. And, and then I have uh, people I'm accountable to f- for. So I have to, they've given me an assignment and I've got to make sure I meet it and, and improve and, and have something to show for the time we're both, we're all putting into this. The pick example is really interesting because it's something that sounds like it's coming from uh, an aesthetic place, from an oral place, from the way that the sound of the, the pick hitting the strings, but, but you also have to actually develop a, a new style. You have to develop a new way of playing if you're getting rid of this tool that you've used for so long. Yeah. And um, a part of that is like a bit stifling, but a lot of it is really liberating, liberating. You know, like you mentioned Django Reinhardt with with Django Reinhardt's, I, I wonder if he would have liked to have played differently. Because so many people have imitated the way he played. I mean, he invented a style of play that is often imitated. And I wonder if he recognized that the, it was like a victory that he, or if he felt like it was like something he still had to contend with that he couldn't do it the other way. So I'm choosing to not feel like I had to contend with it. It's just something that's like an opportunity. It's I'm choosing. It's a choice, honestly, because it isn't great. It's not fun, but it's an. Op- I'm just looking at it as like an opportunity. Plus, like we like we've been talking about, I I can't go out and tour right now. Soon, I'm sure, surely hoping it's soon, but you know, soon by our new standards. To be like totally blunt about it, I think probably Jenga Reinhardt would trade that style for the full use of his hand. I would think so too. Obviously he like that, that aspect of things is not something that, that he would have chosen, but um, in a sense, isn't, isn't all art the result of constraint? Yes. Yes. And it absolutely is, you know, so therein lies an opportunity for me to, to do some, some rewarding work going forward. So I'm not what I'm not waving away the fact that I have I lament some of the loss I'm dealing with in terms of my physical abilities. I am sort of in this weird mournful place. I still have half a foot in this weird mournful place of what I've lost, but I will stay there unless I choose to move on. So I'm choosing to like look at the the opportunities that I'm offered here within within this moment of time. And I'm cho- that's like, a, I mean, when I say I'm choosing, it's not like, that's not a, um, I'm not at the end of result of that choice. It is like a constant thing for me right now to keep choosing that, which is, I guess, I guess eventually that just becomes like um, a habit and then, and then it becomes your reality. You have to be pragmatic. You have to be realistic about it. You have to understand what your limitations are, but at a certain point, it becomes self-pitying, if you know, if that makes sense. Sure. I, I'll admit to that too. Uh, yeah, same. Absolutely. When I was, when I was, I don't know about you when you were like uh, dealing with it in the earlier, early in its onset. But for me, early on, I was indefatigable. I was going to beat this thing. No big deal. Was when I realized I wasn't really going to 
beat it anytime soon. And that the definition of, of beating it was, was probably something different than I originally conceived. Those were when the dark thoughts creeped in. And they, and honestly, I was pretty heavily medicated on, 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 on like this, this stuff that you're supposed to get off of quick, which I got off of in the right amount of time. But that shit is heavy, man. Like the drugs they put you on when you're in severe pain, fuck you up in a lot of ways. And, uh, and you're already fucked up in a lot of ways because, it, you know, when you're in a situation like that. And this is like, you know, I don't mind talking about it with you or with anybody because I think like on some level, it's a reality of the human condition that we'll all face at some point in some fashion. I would rather not have had to deal with it, but I feel like the, uh, when I did, or when I, when I started to, to accept it was when I realized that, uh, that, that uh, moving to a more full recovery was going to, was going to take uh, an immense amount of effort. And I don't think that anybody goes into those things thinking like this will just pass. I think there's a point that you have to accept, like the, the effort will be a lot longer than you would sh- surely expect. Um, and that's once, uh, once I was okay with that and understanding, like, I don't, this was hard for me, but understanding that I don't get to define the timeline here. I was much more accepting of the situation. And honestly, like it's been, it hasn't been the worst life experience. It sucks. It really sucks. And it could have been much worse. It could have been, it really could have been worse. I think all the time about the fact that just the accident alone, if I hadn't been wearing all the gear that I wore regularly, uh, I probably would have been much worse off, to put it mildly. And also, I think about the fact that I was—I'm, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to live next, you know, near Vanderbilt Hospital, which is uh, the a medical staff with huge renown. Uh, I basically was lucky in 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 more ways than I was unlucky. And that's a good way to, that's just a kind of a good way to get to a place of acceptance. I think you touched on something really interesting there when you were talking about the assumption that you, that, that of course you would get over this or that you would, you know, or get over this, perhaps an unreal time. I mean, certainly I can relate. And I, I think what it speaks to is that your entire life, people, Older people, people with experience tell you things about life and you kind of accept them about getting older, about, you know, about, about uh, valuing your health. And you can be the smartest person in the world, but at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff really doesn't sink in unless you have some experience with it. Pretty wild that you, like, we, you really truly have to learn these things for yourself. And, uh, it's a hard way. And even though like you can be like, that isn't to say that you, you're not listening when you're told these things. It's just sort of impossible to conceive. And, you know, I, I honestly didn't have like a fatalistic attitude before this accident. I, I almost, uh, my, my grandfather was a fantastic example to me and he lived into his nineties while still swimming 50 laps a day, I think. And, um, in doing so, he he never seemed to get old. 
and he would always talk to me about how, you know, you have to preserve your mind and body. And I listened, I've been, you know, he was into fitness and I've been into fitness my whole life with, with him. And then since him, his passing, I've been in, you know, it's been just part of my daily life. Even though I implemented his like lesson, I didn't understand it until this, this moment in my life. Now, now I see his, his point. One of the things that comes up a lot is the, 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 the role that creativity, the connection between creativity and depression from the standpoint of, I know that when I'm dealing with a lot, that when I am depressed, as, as I certainly was this time last year, uh, it makes it difficult for me to even consume music, to listen to music. Um, it makes it certainly, it, it, it affects my, my output. It affects my ability to be creative. And, and I think you can, given how things have compounded for you, you can probably speak to this even better than most. What role has music played for you both in terms of consumption and production? It, I'll talk about consumption first. In, in, re, in relation, in the way that it relates to both like, you know, being pulled off the road, which was, you know, which was unsettling and a bummer. We we should say for reference that you were, you know, you had all this 20th anniversary stuff, like you were really oh, yeah. ramping up for some big stuff. Yeah. And we were enjoying it too. You know, it was, it was, there were bigger things to come in terms of, you know, the kinds of shows we were going to be putting together and tours we were putting together, but we were on this tour the first tour of our 20th anniversary tour and the first leg of it. And um, it was great. We were just having the time of our lives. I was enjoying touring in a way that, you know, I've always enjoyed touring and it was more than ever. I was enjoying it, but, but um, I, you know, I came home as COVID, you know, set in and the touring industry got shut, shut down. And I, I thought for a minute that I wouldn't be able to listen to music. I thought kind of like, this will be the first time in my life that music bumps me out because I just, I can't go do it in the way that I feel I'm meant to do it. But that wasn't the case. I, I found myself consuming new music a lot, but also really digging into stuff I'd been listening to since I was young. You know, just this, I found myself turning to, is it, would you say comfort? music, I guess, you know, stuff I, I just, just made me feel like a normal, I guess. Listening to a song I'd always listened to or a band I'd always listened to just made me feel a little more normal. And I thought that, you know, as a, somebody that makes music, I, I was enjoying doing the live stream here or there. It felt a little bit odd. Recently I did a stream and it didn't feel out at all. I was so thrilled to be playing music. So I, I got it back in the context of what shows are right now. I really got the feeling of the way I used to feel back when shows were normal. But then I had the accident and I couldn't play music as we talked about earlier. And that made music, listening to music a bit harder. I found, my, I found myself maybe for three months or four months, not able to listen to music at all. It was just for the first time in my life, uh, music had been something that felt like it had been taken away from me, not just as a player, but, you know, as a source of joy of any kind. But once I started taking those lessons, I was able to, to listen to music too, without feeling hopeless 
Um, and so now I think I'm on like the, it's not right around the corner, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pull to start writing again. You articulated something interesting there that, that I, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, you know, I'm a big music fan, but I, I, I am not a musical person. So to, to me, the act of listening to music and making music aren't really connected, but it sounds like they're inextricable for you to such a degree that when you're unable to listen to music that or to, to create music that you don't feel comfortable listening to it. It's true that I, 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 all that same, same energy that I, that is, uh, I guess, generated from the, you know, inspiration, inspiration I draw from listening to music is then like transferable into writing music, vice versa. You know, for example, the way it works the other way is the other direction is maybe I'll write a song and it'll have some interesting modal quality or something like that. And then without even realizing it, I'll be like searching for that in songs that I listen to. And then when I find it, I don't identify it right away, but I find that I'm kind of obsessed with the song. And then, and then I'll, I'll, it'll click as to why. And it'll give me a deeper understanding of, of my own song. And so they are, I think you said inexorably linked. That's a really good way to put it. They just, they just share the same space to me. Do you find that if you, that when you were not confident in your playing, you were unable to write? I wasn't able to write. I've written a little bit now since, but I was, when I was not able to write or play, I'm not sure which thing was stifling the other. I'm, I'm really not sure because I can play now, but I'm so focused on the, how to approach the in- instrument right now that I, I guess like, I guess I find myself maybe satiated, if that makes sense, um, from exploring like just, even if it's just the mechanics of the thing I'm playing right now. It's usually like that elusive moment happens in between learning and mastery. It's like almost mastery. When I, when I, when I'm nearing the point of mastering, whatever the technique is or whatever, then I'll usually be creative with that moment with that you know tool when i'm really learning it it's hard to be creative in that moment but i'm also not sure to be quite frank with you like i think maybe i'm i'm just not there yet i think that i've had you have to have a certain reservoir of energy to draw on to be creative and i'm pretty spent on the bright side right before we left for the 20th anniversary tour i recorded a new record so I have a, at least a buffer of, of uh, it's not to say that I have a buffer of time. That would have been incorrect to say. But I'm always eager to share music with people and I have some to share. So I don't have that feeling of same feeling, same sense of, of urgency yet. And maybe, you know what, maybe that would have been the case anyway, because I'm sitting on a record. That's hard to say. It could be that too. You know, you don't, you can't really like, or maybe, maybe it's just me, but I, I can't really like write when I have a sense of completion, like overriding sense of completion, which I usually get after I've made a record. 
when you're satisfied? Yeah, it's a nice place to be. It doesn't last long. And this, I'm still in, I guess, that honeymoon. It's, it's so weird though, Brian. It might be, I'm not sure which thing is more at play here. This is the first time I've dealt with both with the fact that I'm not ready to write because I'm in this positive place of like, I just did some, some work that I'm proud of. And the other thing of like, I can't fucking do it. I wish I could fucking write. I'm in both places at once. This is the first time ever for me. Can I posit a third theory here? Please. I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> I think it's a good, no, this is a positive though. I, I, I think oh. at least what I, I think you're perhaps unintentionally circling around is you've been doing dashboard confessional for more than 20 years at this point. So it's been your life for basically for most of your life or all of your adult life. And usually playing music is a means to a very specific end, whether it's recording an album or, or touring. The fact that this has forced you to go back and relearn things, you know, perhaps for the first time in your life since you were a teenager, you're enjoying the process of learning again. And maybe that's just enough for a little while. You know what? It is. It's just hard to say that that's okay for reasons I have no idea how to explain. I think it's because, again, you've been doing this for a long time and, and there, there are expectations of you. And, and again, we were talking before about drive uh, and drive, how it related to perhaps like a big problematic and not letting yourself rehab. But also being a driven person means that you don't, again, you don't afford yourself the ability to slow down and that you feel you feel bad about it. And, but everybody's slowed down now. So it's, it's a yeah. good place to be in this position. Yeah. So that softened the blow. The fact that everybody had to slow down, but also, yeah. So there's something like, I don't feel so isolated knowing that, um, yeah, I, I kind of have like a shitty turn of luck, like everybody else right now. You got a little worse and, you, and you're, you're allowed to, to accept that and, and to know that. I, I do. I do. And I know that I'm allowed to. But it also just like, I think it'd be harder if I was contrasting what I've gone through to whatever, to, to just normal, the normal world. The baseline of terribleness. The baseline of terribleness. That's a good song title. That's pretty good. You, <laughs> you could have that. that. You could have that. Okay. Yeah. The societal downturn experience right now has, it's just made it like, yeah, yeah, sh- yeah, sure. Right. I got, fucking raw deal like everybody else this time oh well and you know that maybe that's just some game i play in my mind to to get me over to the weight bench you know but it's work i get that from the standpoint of one of my first thoughts in in dealing with my own issues was like nobody wants to hear this now for me it was the end of march early april island queens new york which was like the epicenter of covid for the entire world and it was just like does anyone does anyone really want to hear me complain about this when people are literally dying it it may i I had a similar epiphany wasn't right away i'd like to say it was early on earlier than it was but all anybody really wants to hear when they ask how you are is fine that's all like that's just all the bandwidth people have right now that's no fault that's not a fault of other people we're just we're just spent everybody's spent well that helped me you know not wallow sometimes you just got to say you're fine until you're fine until you start being fine one of the things i i talk to a lot of artists about is the 
is having to have distance between yourself and the subject matter as as a writer. Oftentimes I'll find that for whatever reason, musicians especially, it, it can take five or 10 years before you feel like you really have the perspective required. Though I do think that we're going to come out of this with a, you know, more COVID-19 and isolation songs than we can possibly handle. Yeah. As you're getting back into the process of figuring out how to write again, how is all of this going to manifest itself in the work? I don't know. I don't really want to write a COVID record. And I don't really want to write like a, a motorcycle accident record. I'd be foolish to think that, that the heaviness of this year won't make it into, won't become an inspiration of some kind. I mean, you don't strike me as somebody who's ever been afraid to be honest or earnest on record. Well, I, I don't mean to say I, d- I don't want to, that I wouldn't want to be earnest about this experience. Just I'm not that interested in this experience. And I'm not like, you know, sometimes my songs that have been, even the ones that are sad or about going through hard things, I think I was recognizing that I had the power to get through them. I have a different way to process that in this experience. I mean, just getting through it is enough. Yeah. I mean, in the case of a breakup, for example, it's something that like you might not be over, but you're already beyond, you know, it's, it's oh, happened into the past. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. We know obviously that co- like knock on wood, but we know that COVID is going to go away eventually mm-hmm. that the vaccines will be here, but th- the health struggle is something that will linger in some form or another. Mm-hmm. All this will be inspirational in some way. I just don't think I want to talk about it as a subject matter. I think, I don't think maybe it'll happen. Speaking of songwriting and and how it's really kind of linked to your ability to play music, it's a words and music question. Can the words exist outside of the music? Can you be, you know, can you journal? Can you write down thoughts and ideas without necessarily having a song to go along with it? Rarely and far less completely. I guess that I, I have periods, particularly it'll be something like I'll wake up at like four in the morning and just start writing free form. But most of those things are a seed that's planted to, to be used later. And I really explore when I have a, say I often write with a, you know, a, a, a guitar and a pencil at the same time. So I'm going back and forth from my sheet of paper to my guitar, to my sheet of paper, my guitar. And so they're, they are linked up in a, I wouldn't say they're inexorable or anything like that, but they're, but they, the relationship's pretty, pretty potent. I can write without music. I uh, I can write, you know, I can write without music and I can write music without lyrics. But I, I I feel like I get a more powerful uh, result from both when I do them together. When the guitar went away, the, the notepad also went away. It did. It did. It did. I tried. I tried to to force uh, some journaling. I tried to force uh, even just simple recording of like the experience, for example, of the accident and the recovery. All of it was amounted to what felt like busy work. There's a lot of power in putting the pencil down, like knowing that you should. So, you know, I did, I, I did, to have the pencil in hand because I was trying to 
be me, you know, for, for, I don't know, that's hard to define really, but, you know, it felt like me to do that. I felt like me when I had it, but it just, it was, it was a tantamount to going through the motions, I guess. There's power in putting a pencil down, but there, I don't know, isn't there power in going through the motions too? Isn't there power in just kind of keeping that muscle warm? Yes. At the end of the day, it wasn't the largest stretch of time that you weren't creating stuff though. And, and, and it was necessary for your own physical well-being. And, you're, and it sounds like it's coming back to you. So I, I certainly wouldn't so be concerned. The timing was okay. In other words, it, it didn't get to a place where I was stressed or worried about it. Because I had just done a healthy bit of work with the new record I've made. That would have been a bit more than a bit stressful had I not done that. I probably would have worried a lot more about forcing forcing songs to come out, which I've not had a lot of luck with. So I'm glad I didn't do that. I've never been so happy with the songs I've had to force out. Even though I can recognize them as well-crafted songs, just hold less meaning to me and thusly sort of kind of fall by the wayside. Would you say that just taken as a whole that you're in a pretty good place now? Yeah, I, I'm I'm eager to move forward as a writer and as a musician and as a person. And um, I feel like I've, uh, I've got a ways to go in my recovery, but I feel like the, there may be some of the hardest stuff I've had to deal with yet in front of me, but the, the, uh, the frequency of difficult things spreading out. And so I think I can take each challenge as, as, as it comes because the, the frequency is becoming less of an issue. 